Jedni mają swój intymny mały świat, drudzy mają trochę zalet, trochę wad. Albo forsę i z tą forsą wielki kram, lub pretensje i kłopoty. A ja mam światowe życie, szum i gwar, feriononów, błyszczy mleczny bar. Porcje leniwych zjadam, a na furszet i syty i szczęśliwy czuję się wnet. Właśnie wpłaciłem pierwszą z lat nową syreną. Jadę w wielki świat, mijając setki równie wytwornych aut na bal spółdzielców czy działaczy raut. Wszystkiego dotknąć, wszystko prawie wolno zjeść mi. Każda kanapka warta chyba z pięć czterdzieści. Tu wznoszę toast, ówdzie rzucam kilka zdań. Krąg czeskie kolie i kreacje pięknych pań. Cichnie przyjęcie czeka mnie w nowym segmencie. Kolorowy sen, zamawiam więc budzenie, wyłączam prąd, by jutro znowu ruszyć w wielki mód. Więc nie trzeba, proszę państwa, co tu kryć, robić kantów ani badylarzem być. Czy śrobotnik, czy literat, czy też kmieć Jeśli spojrzysz odpowiednio, możesz mieć Światowe życie, przygód sto Sweter z cedetu, metka z PKO Żubrówka równie dobra, jak black and white I jak z Broadwayu program Warsaw by Night Choć gwiazd estrady śpiewał chór Zieniela siebie, samochodów sznur Ty się z pogardą krzywisz i prężysz tors Inne ma zdanie na ten temat orst w południe kawka, po niej lepiej się pracuje w krąg przemysławki. Europejski zapach czujesz, dyskretny kelner, na twój każdy gest się zgłasza wieczorem pagard. Na sto imprez cię zaprasza. Po co ci więcej? Taką masz Geograficzną długość, słowiańską twarz Więc się zachłyśnij aż do utraty tchu Światowym życiem ze mną właśnie tu Światowym życiem ze mną właśnie tu Welcome to the third installment of Dive Deep and Dig. Now, to be quite honest with y'all, we've been playing it safe. It's time to get a little weird, and weird we are going to get. Now, I've gone down some rabbit holes while researching this stuff, but this week's stories are something else. One downside of playing these rare random records is the info isn't there, or it's very limited. We have a couple of limited infos today, as well as a doozy. We started with Wojciech Milanarski's Shvatova Zitja, which roughly translates into High Life. From what I can gather, it's an ode to Warsaw's socialite scene delivered with a healthy dose of sarcasm. Wojciech is a Polish icon. He's a poet, a singer, a songwriter, translator, and director that has been surrounded by musicians since birth. His cousin, Emil Milanarski, was the founding conductor of the Warsaw Philharmonic Orchestra. Emil's daughter, Anelia, married Arthur Rubinstein, who is a world-renowned classical pianist. Now, Arthur studied under Karl Heinrich Barth, who studied under Franz Liszt, who studied under Karl Zerny, who studied under Beethoven. Anelia and Arthur had five children, including photographer Eva Rubinstein and Tony Award-winning and Emmy-nominated actor John Rubinstein. Wojciech himself, no slouch. He's written over 2,000 songs, winning 25 Karolinkas, the main award of the Polish Song Festival. 
He has translated the text of Russian and French poets and songwriters and translated the musicals Cabaret, Chicago, and Jesus Christ Superstar into Polish. On top of that, his French translations earned him the French Legion of Honor. That's not a bad start to the show, and I dig the tune, but let's get a little bit weirder. Late at night when the bars close down, that's when the wiener wagon comes around. Ladies light up for that wholesome tree, looking for a meat that can't be beat. Is that so? It's been so long. I was cruising school yard long about three. Cheerleaders screaming. Hey, what about me? It's hot, it's juicy, the best in town. We bite you back when you bite down. You hear that sound? It's the wiener wagon coming on. Come on, everybody sing Slide your meat in the oven, get some big time loving. Put your buns in the bed, you're gonna get yourself there. You ain't on no diet, come on, girl, try it. What you need, baby? Blackie Jackson is a mystery. I found his Stuff Soul EP in a dollar bin and knew it had to happen. With song titles like Love Janitor and The Wiener Wagon, which we just enjoyed, and being issued on Latrill Records, it was a dollar well spent. Now let's talk about Latrill Records. I've almost nothing. I have a little something, but not much. Latrill, based out of Boulder, Colorado. They released the Ola Pistola, Hit Him With My First Shot Picture 7-inch. Now, this was a spoof of Pat Benatar's Hit Me With Your Best Shot, reworked to mock the attempted assassination of Ronald Reagan. They released a Blackie Jackson 7-inch that included I'm So Tired, backed with Shopping for Clothes. Both are on the EP that I picked up. Now, I remember seeing a cassette tape they released, but I can't Google fool my way back there to grab any details. However, in my search for info on the label, I found out their logo is a fruit pit of some sort, and the motto underneath is, It's the Pits. Latrille is a semi-synthetic version of amygdalin, a compound found in the seeds of apricots, bitter almonds, apples, peaches, and plums. And we're about to dive into that because it gets real weird real quick. And through some chemistry I don't understand, ingesting amygdalin will cause it to release cyanide in the body and can lead to basically fatal cyanide poisoning. So you ready for the kicker? 
It was and is being promoted as an alternative cancer treatment. Isolated by two French chemists in 1830, Amagdalene's first cancer treatment attempt was in Germany in 1892 and was found to be ineffective and toxic. In 1918, San Francisco, Ernest Krebs Sr. creates syrup Lepitrol, whose main ingredient is parsley, and markets it as a remedy for asthma, whooping cough, tuberculosis, pneumonia, and the flu, while the 1918 flu pandemic is in full swing. Through the 1920s, the FDA seizes the syrup and has it destroyed on the grounds that the claims of Dr. Krebs Sr. are false and fraudulent. Now, Doc Krebs is allegedly making a killing analyzing bootleg whiskey for wood alcohol and develops the trill as a whiskey flavoring extract. There was mold growing on some of these illicit barrels, and for reasons unknown, he thinks it may contain enzymes that have anti-tumor properties. He conducts experiments on cancerous lab rats until his barrel mold is exhausted, and then switches to apricot pits. He takes the apricot extract he's been using, amygdalin, injects it into the rodents, claims that it reduces their tumors, but acknowledges that it's too unstable and too unpredictable for human use. Take all of this with a grain of salt because it's believed that Dr. Krebs Sr. actually developed Latril in 1951, but backdated the origin to avoid new drug regulations enacted in 1938 and the thin current FDA laws. In 1977, after thorough investigation, FDA Commissioner Donald Kennedy concluded, quote, While it appears that Dr. Krebs Sr. was utilizing some substances, which apparently had the trademark sarcarkinase before 1938, there is no evidence that the substance is identical to the present-day Latril, end quote. Enter Dr. Ernest Krebs Jr. You can't see me, but I'm putting air quotes around doctor, and if you can see what I'm doing right now, please contact me. I have questions. Now, Dr. Krebs Jr. spent three years in Hanuman Medical College, the second year, repeating the first, and was expelled. He bounced from college to college in different states until graduating from the University of Illinois with a Bachelor of Arts, basically because he kept failing his science courses. He claimed to have a Ph.D. from the University of Illinois, but his only advanced degree is an honorary doctorate from the now-defunct American Christian College in Tulsa, Oklahoma. American Christian College was a small Bible college founded by evangelist Billy James Hargis. It had no science department and was not accredited toward any advanced degrees. The award was bestowed upon Dr. Krebs Jr. after an hour-long speech on Latrell. Krebs Jr. did attempt graduate work in anatomy, but was dismissed for... His pursuit of what was deemed unorthodox. Those are quotes, by the way. His pursuit of what was deemed unorthodox is why he was dismissed. In 1952, Krebs Jr. claims to have reworked and synthesized his father's extract to create a safe and stable form of Magdalene called Latrill. The father and son team up to begin promoting Latrill as an alternative cancer treatment. They claim it kills cancer cells, but normal cells are protected. Then they claim it's a vitamin, vitamin B17. Both claims are tested and rejected and cell in California is prohibited, so they do what any medical team would and continue to manufacture and sell Latrell, collecting numerous charges of interstate commerce involving unapproved drugs. The claim to benefits have also shifted over time. The first claim was a cancer cure. Second claim, it helped control cancer. Third, the vitamin claim was as a cancer preventative. Fourth claim, it is effective in relieving pain associated with cancer and in facilitating treatment with chemotherapy. When the Krebs are prodded for evidence to back any of these claims, the records have been destroyed and the results cannot be confirmed by others, yet Latrille is still available and there are still proponents. Weird enough? I didn't think so. Meet Andrew R. L. McNaughton Jr. 1956, air quote, Dr. Ernest Krebs Jr. meets Mr. McNaughton Jr. McNaughton comes from pedigree. His father, 
I shit you not, Andrew McNaughton. So you got Krebs Sr., Krebs Jr., McNaughton Sr., and McNaughton Jr. Now I'll do my best to help y'all keep these guys straight, but it's going to get a little confusing. So McNaughton Sr. was an electrical engineer, scientist, career military man. He fought in World War I. There he designed an artillery targeting technique using an oscilloscope that was the forerunner of radar. He rose to the general in the Canadian Army. He was chief of general staff. He was head of the National Research Council of Canada. The McNaughton Medal is awarded for excellence in engineering. He commanded forces during World War II. He chaired the United Nations Atomic Energy Commission. He served as Canada's ambassador to the UN. Oh, and he was also president of the United Nations Security Council. Pedigree. McNaughton Jr. uses his father's connections to create his own legacy. He was educated in Loyola College in Montreal, electrical engineering at Canadian Royal Military College, and geology and mining at McGill University. He became the chief test pilot of the Canadian Air Force and was certified to fly 77 different aircraft, therefore receiving the Air Force Cross for his service. Then he used his military connections to become, for lack of a better term, an arms broker. He provided arms for a young Israel and worked as a double agent for Fidel Castro. He was setting up shipments for the Bautista government and then working with Castro to have those shipments hijacked. Andrew R.L. McNaughton Jr. is an honorary citizen of Cuba per Fidel Castro. Just before the initial meeting with Krebs Jr., McNaughton Jr. has established the McNaughton Foundation for projects on the outer limits of scientific knowledge, claiming to sponsor independent research. Intrigued by Dr. Krebs' story, the McNaughton Foundation begins to promote and distribute Luttrell. McNaughton founds International Biozymes Limited to facilitate the distribution of Luttrell in Canada. Rumor has it that a major stockholder of Biozymes was a New Jersey mobster. McNaughton Jr. claimed to have treated the man's sister with Latrille, and the $130,000 donation was for said treatment. Through the 70s, financial troubles began to mount. In 1972, a suit brought by the SEC prohibited McNaughton from selling Biozyme stock in the U.S. 1973, Italian police claimed he told investors they were investing in a Latrille factory, when in fact they were buying Biozyme stock to the tune of $17 million. Back in Canada, 1974, McNaughton was found guilty of stock fraud for an unrelated company called Pan American Mines after $5 million just up and disappeared. He was fined $10,000 and sentenced to one day in jail. So, he fled Canada, holed up in Tijuana, and began to smuggle Latrille into the U.S. McNaughton Jr. isn't the only one making money. Latrille has lined pockets every step of the way. Meet Mexican doctor Ernesto Contreras, who had prescribed Latrille to border-crossing Americans. His business boomed. He founded the Oasis of Hope Hospital, which is still functioning today. He admits 40% of patients showed no response, but 30% showed most definite responses. When asked for evidence, only 12 case histories were produced. Six died of cancer. One switched to conventional cancer therapy. One died of unrelated causes after the cancer had been removed surgically. One still had cancer, and the remaining three could not be found. Dr. John Richardson had a struggling practice in San Francisco until he met Dr. Krebs and started promoting himself as a cancer specialist while prescribing Latrell. Before the meeting with Krebs, Richardson's tax records show he made $10,400 in taxable income. In the three years after, he had grossed $2.8 million. If his claims of cases treated are accurate, he actually grossed between $10 and $15 million. Now, I should mention, he started treating people with Latrille for what he called preclinical syndrome. Feelings of impending doom, malaise, unexpected or vague pains, headaches, bowel changes, loss of appetite, loss of energy, and depression. Richardson admitted that most of his patients died. He also coined metabolic therapy to refer to his prescribed combination of vegetarianism, massive doses of vitamins, and latrille. 
Harold W. Manor, Ph.D., claimed to have cured mammary cancer in mice by injecting them with latrile, proteolytic acid, and massive oral doses of vitamin A. In reality, he was injecting the mice with digestive enzymes which would liquefy the tumor, causing it to fall off. He later wrote a book titled The Death of Cancer and began hosting conventions for chiropractors and unorthodox physicians and for 200 bucks, promised to refer 10 patients a year to attendees. So we've come full circle. A cancer treatment scam is run by snake oil salesmen, promoted by a double agent arms dealer and prescribed by doctors for massive financial gain. A record company names themselves after that scam and released a record mocking the attempted assassination of an American president. If that isn't punk rock poetry, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if such a thing exists. And we found all this out because, full disclosure, I just wanted to play a song titled Wiener Wagon. So, yeah, one dollar in Wiener Wagon, and here we are learning about fake cancer garbage. Thank you. 
Robert Margalef is a music pioneer whose contributions in electronic music are legendary. He bought from, befriended, and collaborated with Robert Moog, the inventor of the synthesizer that bears Moog's name. Malcolm Cecil is a jazz bassist and award-winning record producer. Both are monoliths in the electronic music landscape. Tano stands for the original New Timbre Orchestra, the first and still the largest multi-timbral polyphonic analog synthesizer. Quick side note, an acronym is when the abbreviation is pronounced as a word. Tonto, NASA, UNICEF, and initialism is when the abbreviation is spelled out, ETA, FBI, ILU. Tonto was built by Malcolm Cecil on what started as a Moog Modular Synth Series 3 owned by Robert Margalef. After many, many additions to the synth, it's gigantic. Curved in a semicircle, the finished product is 20 feet in diameter, 6 feet tall. Tano was used on Stevie Wonder's Music of My Mind, as well as Talking Book, Inner Visions, Fulfilling Ness's First Finale, and Jungle Fever. Margalef and Cecil were awarded the Grammy for their production work on Inner Visions, and have worked with artists including, but definitely not limited to, Devo, The Doobie Brothers, Gil Scott Heron, and Gwar. Now, Tonto's resume is a little bit harder to track down. I can't find who used the synth and on what album, what song, all that kind of stuff. Since it's been used in the mid-70s, Tano has been fully restored after being purchased by the National Music Center in Calgary and is 100% playable. Not only that, artists can come and record using Tano in the NMC state-of-the-art studio. This album has undergone a couple iterations. Originally released in 1971, the artist was Tonto's expanding headband, and the album title was Zero Time. On the 1975 reissue that I own, Robert Margalof and Malcolm Cecil are the artists, and the title is Tonto's Expanding Headband. It's off of that album that we listen to the track Timewise.
I like digging. I like putting on ratty clothes and digging through dirty bins or boxes of the same stuff I've seen a thousand times just to find a glorious gym that I never knew existed. My favorite dig spot, which is now closed, had these old mechanic shelves. You know the ones that are like gray and they have this thick corkboard shelving, and those were just filled with records. Now the shelves weren't even, the records weren't organized, and sometimes the height between the shelves wasn't quite accommodating for records, so you'd have to turn the stacks horizontal before pulling them out. Chaos. I loved it. I'd broadcast a baseball game on my phone and dig for hours. I'd organize, and if I came back and found disarray, either someone else had been through it or a new shipment had arrived. Now, this crazy spot is where I found Kathy Pettit and the Thompson Elementary School singers, the brightest stars a tribute to our Challenger astronauts. There's no info about this record online whatsoever. None. But there is a personnel list on the back of the 7-inch with names of the students that sang. So I started scouring the Book of Face and found some of the students that sang on the record, and they helped immensely in this research. So the Challenger launch was special because payload specialist Krista McAuliffe would be the first teacher in space. Schools around the country were gearing up to watch a live launch in auditoriums and cafeterias and gymnasiums. Thompson Elementary had a satellite dish behind the school, so the students were watching raw feed from Cape Canaveral. The shuttle lifted off, disaster struck, an O-ring failed and the shuttle disintegrated a little over a minute after takeoff. There were no survivors, and at Thompson Elementary, teachers couldn't react quick enough. Televisions were turned off, students ushered back to class. But the students at Thompson Elementary felt they wanted to do something to honor the astronauts. So a memorial was placed in front of the school and a record was cut. Kathy Pettit wrote and produced the tune. Joe Kreiser arranged it. The student volunteers loaded into a bus and went to Colorado Sound Studios to cut the background vocals. Record sales went to the Thompson Elementary Young Astronauts, but the exact number sold is lost to time. We just heard the title track off the A side of the 7-inch. And the B side is an instrumental version just in case you want to sing along. Uh, before I end this one, a big thanks to Mrs. Stacy and Mr. Justin for talking with a complete stranger about an album they cut as children 20 plus years ago. Uh, without their help, this would be, this would be a big empty spot. I would have nothing. Okay, we're going to take you back. And I put it a fool, don't go back with us. Way back, way back to, let's twist again, like we did last summer. Everybody put your hands out like this. Do the swim, do the swim, do the swim, do the swim, do the swim. Why? Here's why. We gonna bump, bump, 
That's right. You all got so much soul. We're gonna do a real funky one. A funky chicken, baby. Steve Fortgang was the band leader for the Steve Fortgang Entertaining Orchestra. Billed as South Florida's number one bar mitzvah band, they entertained crowds with covers of popular tunes. Now he's a specialist for the Clark County School District and director of Showbiz Kids, which appears to be part music instruction and part talent agency. His wife, Deli Fortgang, is the number one vocal performance technique coach in the Las Vegas Valley. She offers vocal coaching and her students have performed all over the world. Now their son, Barry Fortgang, is a member of Philharmonic, a five-piece acapella boy band that has appeared on The Sing-Off, Pitch Perfect 2, performed at the White House, and on The Late Late Show with James Corden. Take You Back is off the number one bar mitzvah band album. 
Now, I don't know if this was sold at bar mitzvahs as merch or as promo material for potential clients. The rest of the album is covers and medleys of 80s hits and standards, and that leads me to think this is just a promo album. This album and the next, I have very little information about. Canadian Walter Osteneck, born Ludoslav John Osteneck, 1935. Both of his parents were Yugoslavian, and he received his first accordion at the age of nine. By 12, he was playing the piano accordion, much harder than the button box. And he's played around with multiple bands on multiple labels and won a million dollars in the London Dream Lottery, which raises money for hospitals. Other than that, he's been pretty low-key. This selection is a bit, uh, bit more odd than weird, but that's what we're going to end on. So thanks for hanging out with me today, and I'll see you next time where I talk and you pretend to listen. Until then, uh, Canada's polka king, Walter Osnick, playing the theme to The Godfather.